Welcome to Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. I'm your host, Jim Mintert, Director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, and joining me today is Michael Langemeyer, Professor of Ag Economics here at Purdue. We're going to review the results from the April Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer Survey of farmers from across the nation. Each month, we survey 400 farmers across the U.S. to learn more about their perspective on the ag economy. This month's Ag Barometer Survey was conducted from the 18th through the 22nd of April. And Michael, uh, for the first time in a while, we saw the barometer actually improve. So farmer sentiment rose a little bit this month from a reading of 113 last month to a reading of 121 this month. That's the good news. The bad news is it still leaves the barometer way below where it was this time last year. This time last year, the barometer was sitting at an index of 178. What's your take? I think it makes sense that the barometer is quite a bit lower today than what it was last year, uh, simply because we do have strong prices for crop prices, particularly corn, soybeans, and wheat, uh, and other crop prices are also strong. But what's different this year compared to last year, last year at this time, we had not seen the surge in input prices that we've seen since uh, since last spring. And so I think that the combination of, you know, it's good prices, but there's still that, that pretty high uh, production cost, and I think that's keeping sediment down, uh, uh, considerably down compared to what it was a year ago. I, I agree. And I also think it's more than that. I just think it's this overall tremendous level of uncertainty that's made people very nervous about what's going on. And when you think about sentiment, if you're nervous, you're probably not going to feel very good about it. And I think that's what we're picking up to that's some That's a extent. good point. And I think inflationary expectations, because they're uncertain, is contributing to all of this. So we've got some more information about that input prices, and particularly later on, we'll talk about more. So the index of current conditions and future expectations, modest improvements, so people became just a little more optimistic about both of those. Um, and, you know, again, I think the rise in commodity prices probably explains that. I mean, it's, you can't escape the fact that for anybody that had inventories remaining from 2021, to sell here in 2022, even if it's a modest percentage of the total. That did improve their outlook. And then when you look at the new crop prices, they've improved as well, um, and maybe in some directions that we didn't necessarily anticipate. I mean, I think if you look at what happened with respect to USDA's planting intentions for soybeans, uh, despite that, we continue to see strength in soybean prices. That's And that's filtering right back in here in terms of the index of uh, current expectations and especially, I think, future expectations. What's kind of interesting about what, where we're currently at in terms of these two indices is the two indices are, are almost identical. Uh, they're right around 120, 122 for both indices. Typically, one index is higher than the other, and so I don't know if they, what to read, what necessarily to read into that. Uh, but it's certainly a, a unique situation uh, compared to where we've been historically. Uh, if you look at historically, there was more. You know, if you go before 2020, there was more optimism in terms of the index of future expectations. That would make sense. Return. Were, were relatively uh, tight uh, during during that uh, all the way through 2019. Uh, as we went into got into 2020, 2020 uh, the index of current conditions was was higher than the index of future expectations. Now they're about the same. Yeah, you're right. That is kind of unusual, and I think it reflects the fact that you know things aren't great compared to what they were this time last year. Right, this time last year we did have a different picture. Uh, the index of current conditions was significantly higher than the index of future expectations. Um, now, you know, and I, I just think that gets back to this uncertainty, right? People are, you know, it's like, well, things aren't 
you know, I'm uncertain about what's going on today, and then perhaps I'm just equally uncertain about what's going to happen one or two years from now, and I think that we're picking that up in the, in the monthly surveys. The Farm Financial Performance Index did improve. It's the second month in a row that it went up. Last month's rise was pretty small. It was only a four-point move. This month, it was eight points. And so if you look, I like to compare maybe where the index is now versus where it was in January and February. So the index reading was 95 for this month. You go back to January and February, it was 83. So I think people are feeling better about their farm's financial performance in 2022 compared to 2021. And that's what the question really asks about in this particular one. Um, makes sense to me, right? If you look at what's going on with commodity prices, by and large, crop producers clearly are looking at a stronger situation for 2022, despite the high input cost, right? Yeah, and if you compare this to, you compare the index in April at 95 to the index in January at 83, I think it makes a lot of sense because crop prices have continued to improve, uh, particularly since that January 1 period all the way through, uh, all the way through most of April. Uh, and, and but, but at the same time, input prices really haven't, uh, increased that much uh, since January. They they surged last fall, and and they really haven't really haven't increased all that much uh, from the January levels. And so I and so that combination uh, would would lead you to believe that they're going to be uh, this they're going to be more positive in terms of this index. Yeah, and not only that, I think with respect to the change in input prices that you mentioned, Michael. Um, even to the extent they have gone up, a lot of those inputs have already been locked in for, yes. for 2022. We'll talk more about 2023 here in a minute because we did ask a question about what people are thinking about for 2023. But um, the Farm Capital Investment Index went nowhere. It's sitting at 36, which is the all-time low for that index two months in a row now. Um, you go back to April of 2020, that was one of our previous lows. It was at 38. So we're basically back to where we were two years ago, right, at the onset or near the onset of the pandemic. So people are not feeling very good about whether or not this is a good time to make a capital investment in their farming operation. But despite that, right, this is always the big conundrum. Uh, every month, uh, you and I read things from Machine Repeat talking about how strong used farm machinery equipment prices are. I think just about every email says he set a new record on whatever item he was looking at that day. Uh, we look at continued very tight machinery inventories at the dealers. So obviously people are buying stuff, right? But they're telling us it's not a good time to make those investments. This is very interesting. And I think it ties back in part to the fact that 40% of the producers each month, really it ranges between about 40 and 45%, tell us that their purchase plans have been impacted by tight machinery inventories. So how do you how do you explain the conundrum here? It's this is really difficult to explain, but I think there's several things going on. I want to go back to something you said earlier. I do think this uncertain environment is impacting this, but I think also when somebody when when somebody's posed with this question, they think, "My goodness, uh, prices are really high and the inventory levels are are really low, so it's not a good time." And so I'm, they're not necessarily thinking, "Well, I have a strong cash flow, and so and so this is a good time to purchase machinery." They're going beyond that. That's typically how I think about, uh, you know, think about machinery purchases. Well, I have good income, so that means that I need to invest in equipment. I, th I think they're thinking a little bit beyond that and say, my goodness, these prices are high and, and I can't find what I really need. You know, maybe I should just wait. Yeah, I, th I think, uh, and, and in some cases they're saying it's not a good time to do it, but that same person might be the one that actually bought the tractor at yes. the machinery auction, you know. Yeah. And I, I think part of it relates to the idea, when you think about it, is it a good time to make investments? 
some people I think in particular are saying, "Is it? Can I get a good deal?" Yes, I, that was what I was going to say. And and you know, from for many of us historically, when you're paying list price or in some cases above list price, you're paying new prices for used farm machinery. You're saying this is not a good deal, but it still might be something you choose to do um, for a variety of reasons, whether you want to upgrade technology-wise. One of the things I picked up recently. Uh, and I hadn't thought too much about this previously, is that some folks, given the difficulty they are having in obtaining farm machinery parts, are actually interested in acquiring backup equipment. Um, one of the auctioneers I heard on a Machine Repeat podcast recently commented that he felt like some of the people at his auctions were actually buying equipment as sort of a backstop in case they couldn't get parts for, example, a planter tractor and, and wanted to be able to swap out. That was news to me. I don't know how much of that might be going on, but that's a contributing factor, I suppose, at least in some locations and in some auctions, for example. Um, the short-term farmland value expectation really didn't change much. It came in at a reading of 144. Um, that is down from where it was last fall. Last fall, I think we were peaked at about 157, so it's down. The index of uh, the long-term farmland value expectation index is also down. It did decline a little bit this month. It went to 141 from 146. And again, when you compare it to last fall, it's well below where it was last fall. Last fall, that topped out at 161. So we're down about 13% compared to where we were last fall. Uh, even if you average it out, you know, Michael, you and I have talked about using a three-month moving average here to kind of smooth some of the month-to-month -month changes. Even when you look at it that way, we're down 7 to 8%. So this is interesting. I think People aren't negative on farmland values, but they're, I think, starting to communicate to us, given how rapidly they've gone up the last roughly 18 months or so, they're not optimistic it's going to continue to go. Is that is that your take or is something different? No, I think that's exactly right. I think they're, they're still relatively optimistic about farmland values in general, uh, meaning they're not expecting them to decline uh, you know, in the next five years necessarily. There's a few, but not that many are expecting that. But yeah, given the large increases that we've seen uh, in, across the Corn Belt and, and Plains, it's, it's not all that surprising that they're starting to ask, can this continue? Um, we, you know, we saw 20, 25, 30% increases in, in the last year, depending on the state you're looking at. And, and you kind of you got to scratch your head and say, yeah, the returns are good, but are they that good uh, that we can continue to see these rapid increases in land values? Yeah, I, I think we're starting to pick up some skepticism on the part of uh, producers with respect to how long this can go on. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out here as we continue to watch, you know, auction results from this spring, late winter and early spring. Pretty much records every time you read about a new auction, right? So clearly there is some interest out there in terms of buying farmland. Um, the other factor that I don't know that we're picking up on this survey yet, but it's going to be interesting to see how it uh, impacts future responses is going to be what's taking place with interest rates. And we're recording this uh, just a couple of days ahead of when the Federal Reserve is going to make an announcement. Everybody's expecting that them to raise the uh, uh, rates. Uh, the question mark is how much. At some point, if we continue to push rates higher here over the next year or so, that's going to have some impact on farmland values, don't you think? Definitely. Another contributing factor is, and I get questions, and I know you do too, what's 23 going to look like? Are we going to have relatively high uh, input prices and are our crop prices going to come down? And so what do the margins look like for 23? And, and you know, obviously that's a very fuzzy uh, crystal ball at this point. And so as I get a little more clarity there, I think that will also uh, be very important to, to, to their, their land value expectations. 
Well, let's talk a little more about input prices and farmers' expectations. And first, I'm going to start off talking about what people say is taking place here in 2022 versus 2021. And then we'll come back and talk about 2023 expectations versus 2022. So, so far, producers are telling us, we asked, how much do you expect price paid for farm inputs for the 2022 crop year to change compared to the 2021 crop year? And this was a bit of a change. 46% of the people in the survey said they expect to see input prices 40% or more higher than last year. I'll say that again. 46% say they expect to see input prices paid in 2022 to be 40% or more higher than in 2021. And Michael, you've taken a look at the USDA index of farm input prices. To say that's off the charts kind of understates it, right? That's definitely the case. And and, and there's and it's not just one input. I mean, we, we, we often talk about fertilizer. Obviously, fertilizer, fertilizer prices are up substantially. But it's also diesel uh, repair parts are up substantially. Machinery values, we talked about that earlier, they're up substantially. And so it's several, several co- very important costs uh, that, that are up quite a bit uh, when you look at 22 compared to 21. Uh, but I still am a little shocked that that 40% or more, 46%, that's just unbelievable, uh, you know, when you start talking those kind of numbers, because a 10% move is big. Yeah, that's, that's, and I, we should point out, we had people in other buckets, right? So 14% of the people said they thought it'd be up 30 to 40, uh, 15%, 20 to 30% increase, uh, 16% said plus 10 to plus 20, and only 9% said zero up to 10% or no change up to 10%. Um, so, so when you think about that, Michael, I mean, people are really on the high end of this. And I think it reflects what you just said. Every single category is up. You can debate the percentage increase on some of those, but every single category is high. And not just 1% or 2%. I mean, they're up substantially. Just to put that a little bit uh, in perspective, I, I went ahead and looked at uh, a historical USDA NAS uh, prices paid indices uh, going back to 1973. There's only been uh, about six years uh, since 1973 where we've seen input prices increase double digits. And so that just puts in perspective how unusual uh, this 22 really is uh, compared to where we've been the last 50 years. And I think looking at those six years, if we if we broke those out, Michael, I don't think any of those years would have been years when every single input no, was up. No, that's the. Uh, and even any and we're and we're going to start talking about 23 here. It's extremely rare to see two years in a row uh, where you see double-digit increases. We did see that in that 79 to 80 period, very high inflation period, both in terms of general inflation, but also inflation in agriculture. And so and so that's kind of what we're looking like again in agriculture is a similar situation to we saw uh, in 79 and 80. So we did a follow-up question, and we said, have you had any difficulty in purchasing crop inputs from your suppliers for the 2022 crop season? We've been asking this question for several months in a row. And the percentages saying yes changes a little bit each month. This month it was up a little bit. It was 34%. In the prior months, we were down in the 20s. So I was a little surprised there, but I think maybe that reflects the fact that as we got closer to planting season, People were stepping in and maybe trying to fill in that last couple of inputs they hadn't locked in. 
and discovered they weren't available. Herbicides, fungicides, insecticides, some of those kinds of things. I actually had a couple of reporters ask me, what did that look like a year or two ago? And the way I respond to that, we didn't ask that question because it really wasn't a big issue or, it, or an issue at all. Uh, if you go back a year or two years, this is a very, again, this is a very unusual situation. Yeah, instead of 34%, if we'd asked that two Closer years to ago, zero. I would have said either zero or uh, maybe a couple of percent or something like that. Um, we did the follow-up for the folks that said they had trouble. So that 34% that said they had some difficulty, we said, well, what are the, what are the problems? What are the, which inputs did you have the most difficulty with? And again, it continues to be pretty much across the board. Herbicides, as you mentioned, was tops. That was 30%. But that was only a little bit higher than farm machinery parts at 27%, fertilizer 26 The one that seems to come in lower is insecticides. That might reflect the fact that fewer people maybe are purchasing insecticides for all their crops. So across the board i mean it's it's a supply chain problem in multiple areas not a single single area um, this was a new question this month have you received notice from a crop input supplier that they will not be able to deliver one or more crop inputs you purchased for crops in 2022 so the idea here was you've already made the purchase suppliers already agreed to deliver it and then they give you notice that they can't deliver uh, 11% of the producers said they had received a notice on that uh, or like that for one or more inputs. Uh, and we did the follow-up. And as you mentioned, Michael, the top one mentioned here was clearly herbicides. That was the biggest issue. But it was followed by farm machinery parts, fertilizer, and insecticides. So it, again, it was across the board, but herbicides was the biggest single issue. And we've been talking about that with our uh, weed scientist uh, here at, at Purdue. And he's mentioned this and been telling producers, I think, for going back to last fall, you need to have multiple plans in place because you're going to run into this where your number one product that you want to use might not be available uh, or in short supply and have the fallback plan. And I think that's what these folks are running into, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're running into. So we've asked people again this month, looking ahead to next year, what are your biggest concerns for your farming operation? Higher input cost is the number one issue. 42% of the people said that's their top issue. Availability of inputs, almost one out of five, 19% of the people in the survey said availability of inputs was one of their top concerns for the upcoming year. And a little bit like the reporter asked you, Michael, we didn't ask this question last year, but in a normal year, I don't think hardly anybody would say availability of inputs was going to be a big concern. Even the higher input costs. You, 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 maybe if you go back to when cash rents were increasing double digits, you know that 2010 to 2013 period, higher input costs would have would have would have would have showed up, uh, been on the radar, but not at 42 percent. And so you know typically you expect crop and livestock prices and policy to be uh, much more important in, in terms of a, a biggest concern than, than inputs. But obviously inputs are are on people's minds. Yeah, and to put that in perspective, you mentioned lower prices, which in a more normal time would be probably the biggest concern. Uh, 18% did say lower crop or livestock prices, which essentially matched that availability of inputs. But that's very surprising, that availability of inputs would be of the same level of concern approximately as lower crop or livestock prices. That just tells you how topsy-turvy things are in the ag markets right now. Um, Second month in a row, we've asked this question. In what aspect of U.S. agriculture do you expect the biggest change as a result of the war in Ukraine? And really, the response didn't change hardly at all. 
60% said input prices was going to be the biggest impact, 36% said crop prices, and just 4% said livestock prices. Um, and we didn't do a follow-up on this. Maybe we should next month. But when they say input prices, I think what they're really looking at is fertilizer, right? That would be my guess. Yeah. Um, and that's not easily resolved, that's how I would put it. And I think it's nitrogen and potash. Wouldn't that be the two major fertilizers that would they be of concern Yeah, I think so. With? Yeah. And so I don't see that getting resolved in the short run. Uh, and I think people are going to continue to face that as, a, as an ongoing issue. So this was a new question this month. Um, really a, kind of a response to a reporter that asked me this question a month ago, and I didn't have a good answer, so we decided to ask producers, and that is, looking ahead to crops that will be planted in 2023, what change do you expect for 2023 crop input prices compared to the prices paid for 2022 crop inputs? Keep in mind, we've already asked them what they think 22 is going to be versus 21, and they've already told us they expect to see a big increase in, in crop input prices here in 22 versus 21. So then we asked about 23, 36% of the producers said that they expect to see input prices next year rise 10% or more compared to the already elevated levels they're experiencing here in 2022. And if you want to slice that down one level further, Michael, 21% said they think input prices next year will be up by 20% or more. And this kind of gets at what you looked at earlier, which is how often do we see double-digit increases in input prices back-to-back? Very rare. I mean, like I said, the only the only only periods in '73 where we've seen that in is '79 and '80, where where uh, you know people that were around during that period of time, which you and I were, uh, we were studying that. Uh, I was an undergraduate, but I, I was still I was still studying that a little bit. Uh, yeah, it was a very high inflation period uh, for for, gener for 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 the general U.S. economy, but also for agriculture, and so just very un unprecedented to see this large of increases uh, back to back, uh, and just to give you some perspective here we talked about that large increase in 22 the largest increase since since uh, 1973 if you look at price usda nas prices paid indice uh, was in 2008 coming off a very profitable 2007 period input prices increased 17 percent uh, in 2009 they actually dropped slightly and so you were you know, seeing these very large increases that we're seeing in 22 and then uh, in, in 23 seeing double digits we haven't seen that. We just haven't seen that in the last 50 years. So let's think a little bit about what happened in 2008 versus 2007. It was really a different environment. Yes. That price rise was really all attributable to a worldwide shock on the output price side, which increased the demand for fertilizer. We didn't have a shortfall in supply. We didn't have anything taking place that was pulling back on the supply side. We simply had this big shift on the demand side that gave us higher prices. And in turn, that really set the stage for things to maybe fall back a little bit in 2009. Yeah. This situation is different. We've got strong demand coming out of high crop prices, but we've also got the restriction on supply side. So that's really exacerbated what's taken place and makes it very difficult to forecast how this is going to play out over the next, say, year, particularly the next couple of years, right? 
it's it's hard to imagine a scenario where where these producers aren't close to being right in 23, where we're not going to continue to see uh, some relatively high input prices. It, you know, there is scenario out there that you know maybe we have record yields everywhere, <laughs> U.S. And, and 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 South America and other places. And Ukraine is able to produce more than we think they think they're going to be able to produce this year. Maybe in that situation, if supply would increase, maybe maybe we would see some less pressure on these input prices. But it's it's hard to paint a scenario uh, where that's where that might happen. Yeah, I really think for folks that are trying to figure out, and this was a lot of discussion last fall in particular, whether or not we might see input prices, especially fertilizer, revert back to what we would think of as more typical prices in the fall, say, of 23, and certainly getting ready for the 23 crop. And given what's taken place so far on both the demand side and the supply side, it's hard to see these prices really dropping back. Um, And I'm kind of with you, Michael. I think the risk is that we're going to see even more elevation in those prices going into the 23 crop season than what we've already experienced. Whether or not it turns out to be as high as what producers are telling us, I don't know. But, but it's, I don't see those prices dropping back. Yeah, I, I think that's true for fertilizer. There's probably going to be increased pressure for seed prices, uh, for example, because of the you know, demand uh, situation. Uh, but but uh, uh, the other uncertainty here is what's going to happen to general inflation. There's several input prices, wages, repairs, machinery. The, these, these type of inputs follow general inflation. So if general inflation stays relatively high, uh, you know, similar to where it is today, that will also uh, say that those inputs are going to remain uh, you know, have have some inflationary pressure. So all of this, I think, gets back to why sentiment is as weak as it is. It's right. It's people are very concerned about cost of production and what's going to happen to their margins. Uh, there's uncertainty on the output price side. They're fairly confident that input prices are going to continue to rise. And so that creates this issue in the back of people's minds with respect to a potential cost price squeeze, right? That's, that's really what I think people are telling us and, and really worrying about. Well, Michael, that wraps up our discussion for today. For more details about the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, go to our website, which is purdue.edu slash agbarometer. The next Ag Economy Barometer will be released on Tuesday, June 7th. And, of course, you can find more information about that and and register for all uh, emails to come out on the barometer uh, on our website. Um, So with that, I encourage you to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And on behalf of Michael Langemeyer and the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture, I'm Jim Minard. Thanks for listening. Thank you.